Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Monday morning, one week before Christmas, and South Carolina continues to get gift after gift from the transfer portal, it seems, as it was another busy weekend, not only of visits, but also some commitments as well. Three welcome homes sent out by Shane Beamer over the weekend. We have official confirmation on two of those, still waiting on the third I believe, but a couple of good pieces added to this team. We'll start off with Brady Hunt, the tight end from Ball State that committed to South Carolina over the course of this weekend. Yeah, I've got a theory that I, I think there's a high rate of former quarterbacks in the portal that have already proven they can play a different position, but now are sort of at a place where, you know, no offense to Ball State, but they, they can play up a little bit, if that makes sense. Like, I, I think you look at, obviously, Joe Kilgore, who we've talked about. You look at Brady Hunt. Look at some other guys. South Carolina was recruiting, you know, McCulley from Indiana. All former quarterbacks that um, it, you're not really projecting anymore because they already have kind of made that move to another position and have quickly kind of hit their ground running and, and shown – Hey, I, I can play another spot. And, and with Hunt, I mean, that this is a position tight end is is not really like a glamour spot. It's not a position that's going to get, uh, you know, put incredibly high in the rankings, but that you can find good players at without them being super highly recruited. And I, I think that's the case with Hunt. I mean, he has all the – you kind of check off all the little boxes you need to at that position. 6'6", 249, 
willingness to block, uh, good head on his shoulders. He, um, I'm not looking at the numbers in front of me, Chris. I don't know if you are. Is it 46 receptions, 49 receptions? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, 46. 46. 46. Uh, about six touchdowns, I think, and uh, that was in 2022. Went into this past season before he got hurt as, you know, he was a preseason group of five All-American. You know, he was an All-Mac guy in 2022. And I, I think just, you know, we, we've seen South Carolina go out and, and get tight ends from the portal who weren't necessarily super highly recruited but then have just been very productive, solid contributors to the team. And I, I think that's exactly what you have in, in Brady Hunt. It's a good point that you made and, and a general point I want to double back to of that you can you know, you're gonna grab some good players out of the portal. There are going to be some good players out of the portal that aren't from Georgia or Alabama, right? Like if you look at so if you look across on three's top fifty, so they go through and basically re rank the portal prospects, guys who have entered the portal. You know, like, for instance, Walter Nolan, who apparently is going to join the party and also go to Ole Miss, <laughs> is ranked as the number one portal prospect overall in the country. But if you go through and look, yeah, you're going to see guys from A&M and Florida and Oklahoma. But Duke has two guys in the top 50. A uh, couple guys in the top 15, three of them actually, FAU, Texas San Antonio, Penn, Oregon State. Um, you know, there's a top 27, Colin Lacey, who's had offers from everywhere. It's going to go to Louisville. He's from South Alabama. UConn has a guy in the top 30. So there are good players all around, and it's kind of – transfer portal is kind of like the NFL draft now, right? You're going to look around. A lot of times, a lot of your first-rounders are going to be from, from big-time programs, right, because they were big-time recruits, and then they went to college at a big blue-blood school, and they developed as you thought they would. But you go throughout the draft, you're going to find a first-rounder who maybe didn't play at a big-time program. Maybe played at Wyoming like Josh Allen, right? Um, you're going to go down the next few rounds of the draft, and you're going to see some players sprinkled in from FCS, Division Two, whatever it may be. You can't build a program. If you recruit like a Division Two program up, up and down your roster, that's what you're going to be. But there are good players to be had at all levels. Well, and I think you look none other than within the same tight end room, Josh Simon coming over from Western Kentucky, maybe a name that didn't excite a lot of people when he came in from the transfer portal, especially considering you're also getting Trey Knox as well, but he ends up being a very solid contributor, and the guy that you're going to be looking towards next year is most likely being your number one tight end, and Brady Hunt you know, potentially being in contention to be that number two guy. But, you know, he's a guy that came from a group of five school. Obviously, he played a lot more college football than Hunt had coming in here. But um, obviously, ended up being a very solid true for this team. Stepped up when Trey Knox got hurt for a couple games this season and uh, ended up being really, really good and should be just as good next season for the Gamecocks as well. Yeah, I talked to Brady Hunt yesterday, and uh, we just ran a story on him today about why he chose South Carolina. You know, this was a guy that – we, we felt like Carolina was in a pretty good spot with even before the visit and everything on the visit checked out all good. You know, he kind of found everything he was looking for at South Carolina, but I, I, I thought it was interesting guys. When I was talking to hunt about how he fits in at South Carolina, he was like, yeah, you know, they told me Josh Simon's coming back. He's going to play a lot, but uh, they're losing Trey. And just the fact that a guy who took a, actually abbreviated visit to your school is sitting there like 
spouting off names uh, off the top of his head, kind of told me he had done his research. Like I, We interview a lot of guys, and a lot of times, you know, they've made, if they've been recruited for a long time, maybe you've gotten to know some guys on the roster, or you know like the big name. You know, for a, for a long time, you'd interview a high school kid, and they'd bring up Lattimore or Clowney, just like that. That's the big name that they knew from South Carolina. But, you know, I, I think it kind of, to me, was an indicator of a uh, some intelligence and a football IQ and some awareness from Brady Hunt that he, he had taken quite a bit of notice of the situation he was walking into. Tells you that the, the staff was obviously very honest with him about what he's walking into as well. Like, hey, Josh Simon's coming back. I, I would imagine Josh Simon steps on the field right now if you were going to line it up and you were not in a two tight end formation. Josh Simon's going to be your starter, but I, I think Brady Hunt certainly he, he talked to me too about hey they think I could maybe be a three down tight end, which that essentially means hey you're big enough to hold up if we're on first down and trying to run the football, but you're athletic enough and you have good enough hands that we're going to leave you on the field in a third down situation. So I I, I like the skill set here. I like the added size. I like the experience. And, and again, he uh, before he got hurt, you know, you go back to 2022, he was uh, pretty darn productive. Not only productive, but somebody that they moved around quite a bit uh, on the offense as well. Obviously, a lot of tight ends just do the traditional inline. They had him in slot. They split him out wide as well. And given the size at 6'6", we talk about South Carolina wanting to go out there and get you know, one of a, you know, a big ball type of receiver, but he's somebody that could also line up out wide as well and get some of those contested catches, you know, take on some of those, um, you know, more physical defensive backs if you need him to do that. So a lot of different things that he can do, not only that, bringing that quarterback mindset and uh, knowledge to a to position like tight end is also helpful as well. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, came into college as a quarterback, basically spent one year there and, from what he told me, it was one of those things where they had already kind of told him, like, hey, we, we like you at tight end. We'll give you a shot at quarterback. It, it wasn't a surprise by any means, but, uh, you know, we like you at tight end. We'll give you a shot at quarterback, but we'll, we'll probably end up moving you. So he spent one year basically at quarterback, I think redshirted, and had had basically been doing some things already on the scout team. But very quickly, once he moved to tight end, it was, you know, he very quickly sort of just hit the ground running, and he apparently this is coming from him, but he said that Jody Wright, South Carolina's tight ends coach, told him that he saw what he did going up against Tennessee a couple of years ago, and liked how he held his own against you know another SEC opponent, and basically, you know, Brady was like, and that was when I was literally just figuring out the tight end position. So I think when you have guys that play quarterback and then move to another position, a lot of times there is some upside to go there. In, in other words, they're not tapped out in terms of their potential because they've only played this position for so long. Yeah, and I mean, Hunt still has, I think, to your point, Wes, some upside here. I mean, um, played the position, what, basically two years because he missed, he missed the 2023 season. And he just checks a lot of the boxes. You look at the size, 6'6", 249, 250-pound guy, huge guy. And so he's going to be able to block. He's going to be able to hold up on the on the end. And then if you go back and you can find some of his stuff online, you know, he can run routes. He can catch the ball down the field. It's a good statistic 
that our guy Will Helms. Will Helms does a lot of uh, analytics stuff for Gamecock Central. He loves stats. He loves analytics. And uh, he mentioned today on the X platform, he said, I really like the Brady Hunt pickup for South Carolina. He caught 12 of 14 passes beyond 10 yards a couple seasons ago. So that big 2022 season he, he had, he was able to get downfield and give you a presence. And so I kind of look at this pickup at – like when South Carolina got into the transfer portal this year, most fans probably didn't really have on their radar, hey, we need to go take a tight end. Like you knew you lost Trey Knox, but you knew Josh Simon was coming back. You knew that South Carolina signed a pretty big class between transfers and high school guys in the 2023 cycle. But this is kind of like when South Carolina added Nate Atkins to the tight end room in 2022. That was a pretty good room. But you add him because he's a different type of guy. He brings you um, some veteran experience and a guy who can do some different things. And now a very experienced compliment to Josh Simon, whereas some of the other guys in that room are still quite young. So who, in your opinion, is he competing for with that number two spot at tight end? Connor Cox? Probably Connor, based on playing time last year. Yeah. Or, you know, depending on the offseason, a lot can happen in an offseason. Yeah. Nick Elksness in the conversation as well, mm-hmm. I would think. But, um, you know, shoot, guys, I, I think upside, talent, potential, all those things, Michael Smith comes in and potentially helps South Carolina early. But he, Michael Smith is a little bit different of a player, in, in my opinion. And, uh, and don't tell Michael I said this, but he's more of a pass catcher. In my opinion, he he actually takes quite a bit of offense to being called a pass catcher only. Um, he wants to prove he's a blocker, which I respect and and like, but um, that's not an insult to him. It's really more of a compliment to his receiving ability. This is a kid that can adjust to the football, can go up, can catch the ball down the field, can uh, you know ball skills, hands, all those things, and so I I think he brings some an added element to the room that I, I think maybe is something to keep an eye on as well. But certainly right now, I mean, I I think Brady Hunt would have an excellent shot to be basically, if you're in a two tight end set, it could be Brady Hunt and Josh Simon on the field for South Carolina. But that's getting well, well, well ahead of ourselves. Absolutely. So I'm more into what South Carolina picked up out of the transfer portal over the weekend as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on on your Monday here on the game in the 107.5 game app. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Monday recapping a busy weekend for South Carolina in the transfer portal. Talked about Brady Hunt in that last segment and one name that I don't think should come as a surprise to many people. Jared Kilgore also uh, committing to South Carolina over the weekend. Of course, he is the brother of Jalen Kilgore, has been playing defensive back out at Tennessee Tech and just adds another body to a, a very talented room of defensive backs for South Carolina, uh, obviously. And, and this is kind of one of those things that you look at, it has a high-risk, low-reward type of thing. You're not exactly asking him to come in here, similar to uh, Brady Hunt as well. You're not exactly asking him to come in here and be a starter right out of the gate, but if he comes in and becomes a rotational guy and can pop, then that's fantastic. But, um, again, kind of a high-reward, high low-risk type of deal. For sure. And I, I think, again, another player that played quarterback, transitioned over, and, you know, he 
he played quarterback his his first year at Tennessee Tech and and then sort of gradually made the move over to defensive back and didn't play a ton right off the bat last year and then the second half of the year just sort of took over started making plays and you know I I think put himself in a position to then kind of uh, trade up and uh, you know end up at South Carolina had some other offers did not really get to go through the recruiting process during his high school career and you know from what I understand there were schools telling him then like hey if you want to play another position we'd probably be after you just because you're a great athlete and you know yeah I think he wanted a shot it seems like to play quarterback so he did that but then realized hey I got a chance to to play at some big programs at defensive back and obviously guys there's an added element here elephant in the room I think is last name Kilgore anything you can do in today's world to kind of um keep your guys around and to you know keep like this this is a chance to sort of solidify the Kilgore family as a Gamecock family I believe is how Gerald put it and you know keeps everybody happy puts them in a situation to be able to watch both of their kids if you're the Kilgore family watch both their kids at the same place and you know I I think this is potentially an early impact guy on special teams is Gerald Kilgore and then he can kind of work his way in there in terms of defensive depth in the secondary. Probably is a safety nickel type from what I've heard. I have a stat. stat. You usually do. Stat of the day, and it's actually a brother-to-brother comparison stat. So bear with me. was looking through the PFF numbers for Gerald Kilgore. Now keep in mind, he played in, what are you playing, Wes, eight games or nine games? That sounds right. I know from what he told me, his playing time also went, like the number of snaps went way up as the year progressed last year. That's right. So, yes, so he played nine games. And to your point, the the first four games he played in, like his high snap was 16 in a game. Mm -hmm. So just kind of part-time player. Well, by the end of the year, like his last four games – He's playing 62, 71, 53, 60. So he's 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 playing a ton. As we know, Jalen Kilgore somewhat unexpectedly played a lot more football than we even expected him to at the beginning, and then he played so well that South Carolina kept him in. Jalen Kilgore ended up playing 750 snaps this season for South Carolina as a freshman. But here is the actual stat to all this. Gerald Kilgore in just nine games had – 17 stops. Now, it's not tackles. Stops is a metric used by PFF that is basically a play that a defender makes that constitutes a failure for the offense. So, basically, you're just wrecking something. Seven, 17 stops. And I think failure, to go even a little bit deeper, gets back into success rate. So, yes. it would be the opposite of success by the offense yep. because of what you did as a defender. Yep, so a tackle that constitutes a failure for the offense. So 17 for Gerald Kilgore, and he did that playing not that many snaps overall. He played 338 snaps. Jalen Kilgore played 751. We know how well he played. He had 19, 19 stops. So basically, if you look at, like, Gerald Kilgore was very, very active during his time. Like, he was he was not just playing. He was making a lot of plays. He was stuffing the stat sheet including PFF stat sheets. So for a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience playing DB, 
I think you look at this pickup, and we may look back on it in three or four years, maybe sooner, and say, man, that was a really you know resourceful pickup for South Carolina. Well, speaking of being resourceful, similar to his brother Jalen, who obviously got asked to do a lot of things on South Carolina's defense, this is a guy that bounced around to a couple different spots as far as playing safety on that defense goes, was in the box, played slot, played slot corner, played the more traditional free safety as well. So somebody that can do a lot of different things on this defense, which, again, you are, you've already asked, a lot of DBs to move around quite a bit, you know, so he's obviously somebody that's, that's used to that. Yeah, had a bunch of pass breakups down the stretch, too. And, you know, I, I, I go back and you look at what he did in high school. This is a region player of the year in football, region player of the year in baseball, and just was an all-around star athlete at the high school level. And, again, just I, I think wanted to be a quarterback. And it, it probably would have been a much different recruiting process for him out of high school if he had already maybe been playing more defensive back or if he was willing to be recruited as a defensive back. I don't know the exact particulars, but I do think that kind of held him out a little bit. And, you know, now if you're South Carolina, you get a guy that I, I think can probably start to help you build some depth in that secondary. They seem to cross-train guys a ton between that nickel safety spot anyway, so he fits right in in that. And just, just seems to – I mean, you look at the way Jalen carries himself and – Great family. It's kind of a, you know, show up five minutes before the meeting starts type guy. Uh, just puts his head down and goes to work. And, I, you know, I, I think with Gerald, you're probably getting a very, very similar mindset, which obviously goes a long way in terms of trying to maximize and, and sort of live up to that potential. Yeah. I mean, again, another example of a guy where smaller school, um, I think he was actually a lefty quarterback too, Wes. Went back looking at his max prep stuff. So they say lefties have different type brains too. So maybe that makes him smarter or something. Do you subscribe to that theory? I think lefties are definitely different. <laughs> One of my daughters is a lefty. She's very she's very unique for sure. Love her. Um, and love the other one too, by the way. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> who's, who's a righty? I think we got our rankings from Chris. Yeah. No, not at all. They're equal. They're 50-50. But, yeah, I mean, th- this is a guy that, again, he's he's not – if his name was like Gerald Mitchell, I don't know if people would be that excited about him, you know, knowing that he's a Kilgore and that they have kind of that – they obviously have a very athletic family. Um, but, man, you just – you dive into what he's done, and if he had put up those numbers as a senior, that'd be pretty good. But this is just – this is a young guy who's still – very much learning the position. And I like what you said, Wes. Special teams. Yeah. Special teams, this is an area where I I think quietly, this is an area that's going to carry some questions actually going into 2024 because, yeah, you're returning your snapper, you're returning your punter, but you're losing your place kicker. And we also know that some of the guys that they lost on their coverage units and their return units from 22 to 23, that had an effect. On specialty, guys like Nate Atkins, guys like Trey Kenyon, Darius Rush, the absence of some of those guys showed. And so it seemed like throughout this past season, they were trying they were trying new guys. They were auditioning guys throughout the season, trying to find the right match. And I don't know that they found it at every spot. So whether it's Gerald Kilgore, it's Hunt, some of these new guys, some younger players on the roster who maybe redshirted this year, special teams is going to be an area where I think – those type of guys will have an opportunity to show up in 2024. Absolutely. We'll continue talking about transfer portal, including one name that surprised a lot of people playing a visit to South Carolina this past weekend. That's coming up 
Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. You're on the game in the 107.5 The Game app. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyra West and Chris along with you on this Monday morning, looking back at the weekend that was as far as South Carolina and the transfer portal. One position that we've talked about South Carolina looking into the portal for from a depth standpoint uh, is quarterback. And one name that I think surprised a lot of people when we saw it pop up on Friday afternoon as a visitor for the weekend was Malik Murphy, the now former uh, quarterback for Texas, was the backup to Quinn Ewers, played a couple games when Ewers was injured earlier on this season. And he, based on the college football calendar, had to make the decision between prepping for the Sugar Bowl or going out and exploring the transfer portal. He chose the latter and is uh, visiting a couple of different places, one of them being South Carolina, where he was this past weekend. Yeah, indeed. A talented guy. And obviously, we know South Carolina has been looking to sort of... It's not a position where they're trying to like revamp it like they did at running back. Yep. And But you look at what returns, and they, they have to add... Um, at least some experience or at least another competitor to that room, I think. And so that's why you see A.J. Swan, who, you know, we've talked about before, you know, a guy that you would say is, uh, you know, leaning to South Carolina, and then Malik Murphy as well. You know, that that's why they've been chasing these guys down. And so originally it's obviously been a big topic of discussion in Gamecock Nation when, when K.J. Jefferson – what was brought up, you know, on Twitter is, hey, this guy's leaning to South Carolina. And I, I will say this. I, I think if you bring in, you know, an A.J. Swan, if you bring in a Malik Murphy, that's completely different than bringing in a K.J. Jefferson, in, in my opinion. You know, I, I think a K.J. Jefferson, that's, that's actually similar to bringing in a Spencer Rattler. Like, that's, hey, this guy's coming in. And he's coming to South Carolina to start if, you know, in that alternate reality where that actually happened. And, you know, I, I think that's a different conversation than, hey, and, and again, not that if you bring in an A.J. Swan or Malik Murphy, not that they're not going to compete for the job. They're going to do everything they can to push to start as well. But it's not just a, hey, you're coming in, you're starting for one year. If you were a K.J. Jefferson, it's, you're coming in, competing, pushing, being a backup potentially if you don't win the job, and just adding competition to that room. And you know, I think one thing we learned this past season: look at the offensive line, look at the number of injuries South Carolina had there, and even in the same breath of people acknowledging, "Oh yeah, they got hurt, there were some injuries there," people will sit there and tell you, "Oh, offensive line stinks. Offensive line didn't give us a chance. Um, this offense is terrible." No one lets you use injuries as an excuse. So that's why even if even if you're convinced that Lenore Sellers is going to be the best quarterback in school history, you can't sort of sit there and predict what is unpredictable. And that is there's always a chance that somebody gets hurt. So even if you're in the camp of, hey, Sellers literally is the best player in South Carolina history – you still have to add competition. You have to add depth, and you have to try to uh, you have to try to give yourselves an out if the unthinkable happens. And I think um, 
I think there is a little bit of war- that. The main thing to me when people are looking at Swan or a Malik Murphy or name your quarterback, the main concern that Gamecock fans have is in this transfer portal era, something happening to run off, quote unquote, Lenora Sellers because of his immense upside. And I think you have the past couple of recruiting cycles of South Carolina fans seeing some of the best players on the team leave. That puts that idea in the back of your mind. Now, none of those guys were left because they were there's competition or they lost their job, right? When you think about Juice Wells, Mitch Jeter, uh, Jordan Birch, Jaheim Bell, Marshawn Lloyd, these guys were starters, right? It wasn't a situation where somebody else got recruited and they weren't sure if they were going to play totally different. And, and a lot, all those situations were different individually too. But I think that's what people have in mind. They go, okay, well, what if, what if a guy comes here and it's a really close competition, right? And then, and then Lenoris, you know, maybe some people get in his ear and then it's the NIL era and then it's the transfer portal era. Right. But I think from what we know about the situation, I still think, with the guys that have been bandied about as possibilities to join the quarterback room, you're still going to give Lenore Sellers the edge. That's number one. I still think he's got a great great chance of, of winning the job, has the best chance to win the job. And I think from what we know about him, he's not going to run away from that either. So I, I don't think that's maybe as big of a concern as some people have put out there. And, and I'll play off of that because, you know, a lot of the conversation last week was around A.J. Swan um, potentially coming into South Carolina. I think a lot of people may not have viewed him as as viable of a threat to the starting job as somebody like Malik Murphy. So, again, if if Murphy were to come in there, I think he, in a lot of people's mind, might have a better shot at taking the job from the North Sellers. Not to say that Sellers can't, um, you know, still win the job, but I, I think, you know, comparing the two quarterbacks – from what we've seen at Vanderbilt and Texas, respectively. I think a lot of people see a potential bigger upside with a guy like Murphy that could push for that job more than a guy like A.J. Swan could. But regardless, you still need another quarterback for depth purposes. And I've said this the entire time um, over these past couple weeks, talking about the transfer portal. Whoever you bring in, uh, assuming that Sellers would win the job, the hope would be that they never have to play a meaningful snap. You just have them there just in case for depth purposes. You know, Sellers loses his helmet for a player, whatever it may be. Um, but again, I mean, regardless of who you bring in, they're going to come in trying to win the job because nobody's going to come in wanting to be a backup. You would just hope that or if Sellers is that guy, that he would be good enough to beat those guys out in camp, whatever it may be. Yeah, and hey, guys, also there's another side of this. May the best man win. You you want the best possible yeah. quarterback uh, on the field. Is, is the best-case scenario that Lenore Sellers, as an in-state guy, a guy that wants to be here, a guy that could, like, carry the mantle for your program if you want to kind of get if you want to get to like what the upside of Lenora Sellers could be if everything clicks then yes that's the best case scenario because also that's not a guy coming in from multiple states away or, or you know even with Swan a guy coming in from you know from Georgia you know he's originally from Georgia the state of Georgia I mean obviously coming from Vandy as a transfer potentially but this is an in-state guy who probably if everything works out isn't even going to be prone to wanting to run off to the first nil offer from some other program in you know a year either so there, there's some other advantages to lenora sellers taking this job and running with it and being your guy that frankly wouldn't even have been a part of the conversation a, a few years ago 
However, you ultimately, you want the best quarterback on the field. May the best man win. But I, I do think, you know, bringing in an A.J. Swan or even a Malik Murphy, to me, that's not the same as like a K.J. Jefferson. It's not like the the M.J. Morris situation at NC State where he basically, in his words, was like, hey, they, they brought in a transfer to play over me. That's not what South Carolina is doing here. That, that's not what the sort of hope is. The hope is you bring in guys, they compete. You know, and if this thing, for whatever reason, turns, if, if, if Malik Murphy is the guy, though, it's a talented player. So, you know, I, I think uh, if you're South Carolina, you owe it to yourself to keep adding talented players to your roster, regardless of position, while also being cognizant of the overall situation. And you, you made a point last week that I'll, I'll apply here. Nobody cares about the injury excuse. So let's say Sellers is the guy and he goes down and now you're playing, whether it's for one play, one game, or a good part of a season or a whole season. We've seen all those scenarios at South Carolina at the quarterback position. Um, So then the next guy that comes up, he'll be expected to play well. And so you – the the narrative then would turn to why why is the backup quarterback not a good player you know that that's what it would then turn to so it, it's tough to this is this is why especially nowadays roster management is tough the teams that manage their roster the best in terms of stacking talent keeping all that talent happy keeping it on the roster for more than one year when applicable those will be the teams that thrive in this era but this is part of it at quarterback like we're seeing at a lot of school we. We saw a guy leave a school. He went eleven and one. Left the school. We're seeing Lincoln Riley. Seems like every high school quarterback he gets committed leaves. You know, so it, it's it's a tough. To, Oklahoma's starting quarterback just left. You know, so it is tough to manage. But the thing you don't want to be caught in a situation where if you need depth, which you definitely do, especially at the most important position on the field, you want to have good players on the roster. And so year to year, uh, it's going to be tough to manage, but it's something you got to manage. Absolutely. And we'll keep an eye on uh, what South Carolina does as far as quarterbacks in the transfer portal uh, go. Come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. We found the destination of a couple of departing Gamecocks yesterday. It's coming up here on the game in the 107.5 The Game Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you for a few more minutes. We're handing things over to Terry for today's edition of the Halftime Show. Obviously, talking all things transfer portal, and over the weekend we found the landing spots for a couple of Gamecocks that have been in the portal since the other week, uh, most notably of which being Juice Wells, the expected landing spot for him out there in Oxford and Ole Miss. Ole Miss that is raking in talent in the transfer portal and uh, Juice Wells being the latest edition of that as uh, uh, um, Link Kiffin certainly likes his receivers out of the transfer portal. 75% of their receiving production last year was portal guys, and uh, Juice Wells added that mix for what should be a very good Ole Miss team next year that is going to be making a trip to South Carolina in October. They're also going to be making a trip to college football playoff next year. Uh, can you already do future? I'm not a better. Can you already do oh. futures for uh national championship next year i already put them in the playoff this morning on the early game so i'm right there with you i think can, can you do that can what, what sure, are the odds sure, to go not? ahead and no i mean literally is that like um can you already i think bet you may have on to, it i think you have to wait until this season's over mm. then because they they'll put out like the lines for like 
2024 national champion like the day after this year's national championship. Uh, so a couple more weeks, then you should be able to weigh in on that. Yeah, they, I, and I would think they I actually it's it's way easier to get in this coming year because there's gonna be oh, way yeah. more teams. No, but you go ten and two again, you're in no matter what. Even if it was four, I sure. think Ole Miss has a shot to kind of be um, what was this year's Florida State with yep. the way they've added and just um, tacked on. And this is not a team that it is going to be just new portal guys like that. They were obviously very impressive this past season, and now that they've added on defense. They're going to keep adding. You know, Walter Nolan heavily projected to Ole Miss, and so it, it's impressive, man. Juice will go out there; he'll play well. He'll he'll catch a bunch of balls, and I, I think it's uh, time for closure for South Carolina fans. I, I posted that thing about him going to Ole Miss. I had people responding to me saying, "Quit, quit giving him um, attention." Like, I'm not giving him attention. I'm just, just reporting on where he's going, telling y'all so y'all can, you, telling y'all so y'all can move on and. Start cut it out with your facts, Wes. I've start getting over it, but you know, I uh, it, it's it's going to be weird, I think, for Carolina fans to see him lined up, uh, you know, in an Ole Miss jersey next year at at Williams Price Stadium. But uh, you know, he'll he'll go out there, he'll play well, he'll probably get drafted, and um, now South Carolina needs to go get you know a, a number one receiver, I think, in the portal. And that's been a common question lately. Like, all right, you've got. Jared Brown, you've got Jade McGowan. Those are your two smaller guys. You know, Jared Brown being a slot. Jade McGowan, I think, can play slot, can play outside, kind of like an, a Marion Brown. And obviously, as a, we'll get a look at kick returner as well. That'll, I don't know if I could say that'll be his most significant role, but that'll, that'll be a significant role potentially for him next year. And so now the emphasis is on going out and adding some length, adding some size, adding that number one type receiver to this room. And, and I think Wes, too. I, I think you need to add two in a perfect world. And so we, we got to keep a couple things in mind. The transfer portal window is not completely closed. And there's also going to be a post-spring window for 15 days. And so guys are going to you know, go through winter workouts with their teams. They're going to go through spring ball. There is going to be another round of defections from the transfer portal in the spring. And so they don't have to go get out and get their one or two receivers today. If you find them, great. The, the, the key is that you find them, right? It, whether it, Before next season, you got to go out and find a couple. And so the names, there has been some movement at receiver, you know, throughout the country. There have been some guys that have committed elsewhere. There have been some guys, Donovan McCauley opts to stay at Indiana. He was a target of South Carolina and multiple other programs. That was a big retention for Indiana. Um but there, there are some other guys out there that the staff's working on trying to get in. But you don't want to reach at this position. You also, in my opinion, yes, yeah, spring window is cool. I don't want to wait on that thing, man. We, we saw that at running back last year. And you put so much pressure on yourself to, to try and land that guy, like the guy you need. So I, I would also say, hey, look, there will be guys that enter the portal after their team plays in a bowl. There will be guys, even if the college football playoff, there is an extended five day window after you play if you're a if you're a CFP team. So that would be something to keep an eye on as well. Some guys hit the portal from those teams. So I think there is still there will still be some portal entries before you even get to that spring window. But in my opinion, I'd feel a lot better if I was building a roster if I could get at least one of those guys yeah, in this during this cycle. Yes. 
as opposed to putting it on that next cycle. I, I'm with you because, you know, in theory, you could say that's kind of like, um, you know, there was a situation in uh, what the 2022 cycle, Wes, where South Carolina missed on Jay Sean Barham from the high school class. He flipped to Maryland. And then it was all right. Well, got to go get James Pierce now from Charlotte. He's going to sign in February. And then you turn around. Whoops. He committed to Tennessee and signed with Tennessee during the early period. And so in a similar way, that's what you want to avoid here. Um, it, now, if you go out, if they don't get anybody, whether it's they don't push or just don't land anybody in this period, and they go out and get one or two really good ones next spring, great. But I, I'm with you. I, that's a, a little bit of a more risky proposition to me. Quickly, as we wrap up here, the other name that uh, we found out his destination, Mario Anderson, going to the University of Memphis um, to uh, complete his college career. I can't figure out if Blake Watson, their 1,000-yard back, is going to the draft or if he's coming back for another year because I think he has a COVID season left. So the anticipation would either be Mario Anderson being number two guy behind him or potentially filling his shoes if he does move on from Memphis. So not quite sure on that one just yet. Yeah, not sure either. Uh, congrats to Mario on uh, the birth of his child. I think that was yesterday. Um, you know, I I hate it for him as far as the advice he maybe got there, but uh, you know, certainly hope that it works out well for him there. And uh, and like I said, wish him very well on uh, the birth of his child. I know it was probably a crazy weekend for him announcing his commitment for transfer while also um, having a kid. Absolutely. So congratulations to him and best of luck uh, going on to be a Memphis Tiger. We'll have plenty more on the transfer portal and signing day as the week goes along. Very busy week here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next is the Halftime Show with Terry Ford as your Monday rolls along here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 5332 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 